Hello everybody, welcome back to Boss Baller 96 I'm Sergio Rodriguez. Great to have you back with us. Well with me, of course. I apologize for not being responsible enough for continuing the product, but like I tried different places, different ways, and I never found exactly the way to do it, but now I feel like I'm finding it. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. The thing that I need to do is be consistent consistent. And maybe I'll be able to do different things on different times. Now, what I want to focus on today is mostly about um, the NBA free agency has, has, has how it has been happening. I really enjoy the the fact that everything is gone good, but um, I really don't like the fact that Dick, with all due respect to the Lillard, of course, I don't like the fact that he just. I get it. They he didn't he they didn't um do something big uh when it comes to trades, but going over and like for example overreaching for a player like um Jeremy Grant was a little bit off. I wouldn't have done that because one they already have firepower. Number two, they don't have such a great defensive system, and number three, their big man rotation, especially the center position with George, uh, with Nurkic, it is not reliable at all because Nurkic is not a player that you can trust on a full season but what Lillard did right there was completely uncalled for like you could have actually told him you know what let me wait for the offseason when everything dies down and went to everything actually dies down on the offseason not now because now he's the hot topic there's still rumors there's there's still different things happening but they, it didn't die down. They didn't wait. A, he didn't wait a few weeks or even month. He just the next day. Man, I can, I can snap my finger the right way. Um, he just went it out. So I get the decision. I understand. But he was gonna do it anyway. He could just go and blast them with doing it instead of letting him them waste one hundred sixty million dollars on Jeremy Grant, which all, with all the respect to Jeremy Grant. He is good. He might be. You might get for him a maybe um, four years, one hundred ten, one hundred twenty million dollar contract for him on a good team. But him getting one sixty million, that is not. That is not incredible. That is especially for five years. Now, what I would love to talk about more than anything right now, especially that we are with this uh, trade thing, is the Los Angeles Lakers. Let me just write L. The Lakers here. Excuse me, Lakers. By the way, I'm actually looking for for notice right now. What the for me the Lakers, the Lakers special, especially on the the trade front, uh, they have been called by numerous analysts the big winners of the trade deadline, and I can absolutely agree with it. The reason being that they actually decided. They actually decided to actually stay, uh, decide to stay and not pursue a big market name player. The difference, the, differently from what they did with Russell Westbrook. Now Westbrook's because of the Lakers have taken a hit to his reputation. I have a bigger hit to his reputation. And now that he was with the Clippers, he actually liked the team so much. They decided, hey, what? How much can you give me? Oh, we can give you two years to seven point eight million dollars i'll take you know he, he did that but the, as a whole they just decided to just 
try try to help them and stay um the course stay and not just only that but get players the players that they need to keep and and if they need to pay them more they'll give them an ex an unnecessary um extra payment for example um mr austin reeve now has 50.36 million dollar extension with the Lakers and Russell got a 30, 37 million dollar extension I mean like they got themselves a deep roster and they stay with with a player which I started calling a player in Jared Vanderbilt and Hashimura now has the 51 million dollar I mean that I, I mean uh, Vanderbilt should have got a little bit more than what he got because of the fact that he's a starting uh, player but Sometimes being the is is not that you start is that you finish and is that you finish and for the Lakers uh, Hashimura has actually proven more of a excuse me there was a, a cup that actually moved by accident Pre uh, an actual core part of their team Hashimura has been phenomenal when it came to the Lakers he's one of my favorite players mainly because I'm kind of a I'm a sucker for Japanese people I love Japanese women especially. Asian girls, <laughs> but the fact that he plays so well, he's strong for his position. He can play inside and outside. He can shoot it from three. He's you can put him in different positions. Is he a great defender? No, but he has the potential. Still, I believe can be a great, if not, he can be a good, maybe great defender. Not only defender, but a great defender is more than enough to be able to be part of a core. For a championship contending team, obviously they have a, a Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I don't like LeBron, <laughs> but they have a great core up until now. We have to see what else can they bring to the table. Russell, there's an article here from Sports Illustrated that say uh, that he's uh, Mr. D'Angelo Russell Dillo. Oh, uh, I, I think I heard his name. They just call him Russell D'Angelo Russell. Perfectly explained the quote. The Lakers guard Daniel Russell perfectly explains his role in LA on Twitter. Let's go with the tweet. I'm gonna go with the tweet. Daniel Russell is currently holding a game at his camp. Okay. For a city that doesn't have an NBA team, awesome for the kids to see these guys up close. Uh Devin Booker and Obi Topping are there, but let's go with the let me see what what, what he says. Okay. Daniel Russell's um explanation of his role in the in the LA Lakers. If I can score, I'm gonna assist. That's uh yeah and is and the nickname is Dilo. Okay, so I'm not I'm not I'm not wrong on the nickname. So let's go with the statistical for D'Angelo Russell. I wanna see the stats for Dilo. Yeah sorry about that. D'Angelo there we go D'Angelo Russell. Let's go with D'Angelo Russell, basketball reference. Remember, I use basketball reference mostly. I can also use NBA.com, but I focus more on what can you call this? I, I focus more on statistical output. For example, points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, steals per game, blocks per game. Like a lot of those numbers as in PPP, like points per possession, I don't focus much on them. Unless it's kind of like defensive rated, and even then, 
for mostly win shares because win shares are actually defined as how much does a play contribute to winning, which is perfectly excellent for it. But like PER, which is player officially rating, bucks plus minus. I mean, you can have a game of a lifetime. You can have, for example, a game that um, for example, um, Kevin Lofton had a few a few uh, last season. I think it was the final game of the season. He scored 42 points and 14 rebounds. And let's say he had a minus 18, you know, um, B, B, uh, box plus minus. Does that mean what he did was useless? No. Just an unnecessary statistical uh, category. I, I get it. Like, being the best on both advanced and, and how could you say this, advanced and Box score as box score as we will, we will say are excellent, but the problem with this is that you take away the box score and then you say uh, for percentage, for example, uh, let's say Jacob Pole had an eight block percentage, you go great. He's a plot, he blocks eight percent of the shot they go at the rim. Okay, how much blocks average per game? 1.4, and that for people is excellent. That That is bullcrap, that is completely useless and pathetic uh, with all the respect. That is completely useless and pathetic. So, I mean, it's incredible. Look at, look at, oh my gosh. I don't want to talk about it. So let's, let's go with the playoffs. Let's go what happened with Mr. Russell. I mean, he played the most, the, the most playoff career, uh, games in his, in his um career. And he averaged exactly only 4.6 assists. So he was not very good in the playoffs. He's not a good player you can put in the playoffs. But if he actually does as he says this is what we're going to do, then he can actually be an extremely con uh, excellent contributor down the line, both in the regular season and as well as the postseason. Now the problem with Mr. Russell is that he and is the his inefficiency. <coughs> he can be very efficient, inefficient when he's scoring. I mean, 30, 31 percent from three. 40% from two. That is something that he needs to be better. I mean, last year, I mean, when he played in 2021-2022 season, he actually was more efficient from, from three than he was efficient from two. So I, I believe that a lot of times it's not just about the shot, but the shot selection. <coughs> and I believe the Andrew Russell is the type of player you can put him on from the inkles to outside. And he can score, so the thing is, he needs to learn how to pick his spots. He needs to actually use the pick and roll better. He needs so many things, and the Lakers need to actually get him in those positions as well. As well, people will argue, well, the coach put him in those positions, but he's not doing anything like a hello. But that is still something I believe that is a little bit pathetic. He needs to be better. Now, I will give him credit because he actually busts his butt on defense, at least for what I was able to see or get knowledge of. Because I will complain that he had got called a, a flagrant one for literally giving a hard foul on Ju on, on Jamal Murray. I believe that he did not. But uh, overall, D'Angelo Russell has actually done good for himself going in the Lakers. And now, this turned into a Laker uh, podcast. So, <laughs> now they actually have some extra pieces. And they actually become a more deep team. Overall, LeBron James is going to be LeBron. He's going to still be able to manage uh, to score the ball and to grab grab rebounds and assists. I mean, his longevity has been 
maybe one of the best stories about basketball in the history of the game. Without due respect to LeBron James, I'm not going to cap his greatness, but in terms of how good he is as a basketball player, for the moment, he's not passing um, Michael Jordan uh, for as third as my best player of all time. If Michael Jordan is tied with Bill Russell with Chamberlain for that for that top spot, I mean, I would put him on, on like fighting with Kareem for the fourth spot, but Kareem, I still think he, he does better in a sense. I mean, LeBron James is a better overall player in a sense that he can do more things, but remember the, the position they played and the ways they played. So LeBron James might have an edge statistically in a sense to Kareem when it comes to actually scoring an average over 27 points per game and still scoring over 20 points per game. But I think I still believe Kareem is slightly better because the rules are more against Kareem on offense and on the uh, that LeBron, LeBron today's game, he can literally just score, basically go like what we see in Puerto Rico, Pancho por su casa. He can go to the point whatever he wants, the defense can touch him. And even if he's actually using his arm to push the defender aside, he still get called for, they still call him a defensive foul. So yeah, Kareem is there, LeBron is top five. Stop. Five, top five, maybe top six. I think he's fighting with, uh, let's say he's uh, tied for top five with Tim Duncan. I mean, but overall, they got Anthony Davis as well, not top 10 player in the league. Let's see how this season goes on and about. I would love to see Austin Reeves AR 15. I don't care what people say about the Oh, the gun, the gun, gun don't kill people. People with with intention to kill, kill people. And they can kill you with a gun like an RF 15. They can kill you with a with a nine millimeter pistol. They can kill you with even with a spoon or a fork. Like so, if people go and say no guns kill people, no people kill people. You know, a little bit controversial there, but I I had to say I had to say. Now for the for this uh segment, I think we're we're done with it. I know that you're gonna go nuts. What are you talking about? I'm I'm just giving a little overview. I'm not gonna go in depth. I'm not that much fun of the Lakers. Especially with LeBron James there. If we was Kobe, that would be a different story. But, you know, I, I believe that the Lakers are set. They could become an excellent team. And if DeAndre Russell decides to be more than anything a facilitator, then the, the Lakers are going to have a pretty deep and good team. Let me give you a little extra. Let me give you a little fun for the next segment. Let's see how many minutes. I got 14 minutes of perfect. Let's see, give me a freaking moment so I can get my ideas. And then I'm going to give you the next segment. Thank you. Hello, welcome back everyone. I hope everybody have enjoyed the first part of this podcast. I wanted to talk about just one play, which was going to be Scoot Henderson. Yet, it turns out I might end up talking about both Scoot Henderson and Shit Hungry. I really hope you enjoyed this part of the episode. I hope I've done it better than the first one. I was all over the place. But I really want to speak about how this uh, these players are going to be, especially um, Scoot Henderson, because I found interest how he is I mean he's compared to once he was compared to Derrick Rose and, and Russell Westbrook in, in his prime but now he's compared to uh, prime Russell Westbrook and Cole Sexton which is something that I really enjoy the comparison I really like the 
way he is, how he's compared to Westbrook in the sense that he has that physical ability to dominate the game in, in similar ways to Russell Westbrook. I, I Although I don't know if it would be as good or worse than Westbrook, you cannot certainly make that comparison. But he, it is also said that he is a very good shooter with the potential to be as good as a shooter as Cole Sexton, if not maybe a little bit less, but is right there on the spot. <clears throat> My apologies. So let's go quickly with Collis. Uh, excuse me. With Scoot Anderson, I mean, he's a great player. I mean, his stats are great. He was number three overall, but he's uh, highly touted as the second best player. If you go on and look for NBA Draft 2023, by the way, I'm doing that right now, as quick as I can. You know the results. Uh, let's let's write uh sec. Excuse me, second best player. Okay, stop responding. As a whole, everybody said that Scoot Henderson was the second best player in this draft. I, I believe because of number one, he was there with them from a long time. And he, they, they, he was, he was supposed to be there. Um, he was supposed to be number two overall, but they, uh, the Hornets, we all know, they took Brandon Miller for purposes of fit, which is excellent. But overall, people say that he was the second best player. Now, Lillard is not gonna go and play with Portland. We know what he decided to do. He decided to change his mind and go to with the, uh, the. Decided to, to get changed and he, right now he wants to play for Miami, but there's a lot of caveats a lot of problems a lot of processes They need to do in order for them to get to um the change uh, to for, uh, To Miami hit, but we don't know if the uh, Portland are gonna decide to Change him to another team. I'm gonna be honest with all the respect I understand that leader has been loyal to them and I do believe that that they should have done a better job to get him help to win championships. But I also believe that if you tell them, listen, I'm going to wait for you to make a move, and then they make a few moves, and then after one move, you just say, you know what, I'm out, then you should have said it from the get-go. So if they decided to go for the team, then they go for the team. This is a business. You gotta, we got to understand that this is the best. The, the NBA is a game, but it's also a business they focus on the paychecks, that's why a lot of players today, especially star players, are making so big, much big money. I mean, I without respect the, the performance in comparison to this level of talent in this NBA, in this era, when it comes to, um, what's the word for the love of Jesus Christ? The, with the rules of this era in comparison to other rules in the performances, for example, the Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan should have gone at three hundred million dollars. If he, if you put him in comparison, and Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, I don't even want to talk about it, because it, it will they will be it will be incredible. I mean, the, the money the players do today would be far less uh, dominant in comparison for different plays. Um, it is completely lopsided. But let's go to. Henderson. I'm not even going to look for this article that I was trying to look for anymore. Like I got, I got really sick of it. 
But we all know they said he was the second best player, the second best player to be supposed to be chosen. But he was chosen number third with the Portland Trailblazers. Let's see the statistical game that he had in the regular season for the uh, G League Ignite this year. I mean, he he played very well. He had 16 points per game with 5.4 rebounds, six and a half assists, 1.1 steal, 0.5 blocks. Oh, but he had a little. I had a high turnover rate, similar to Westbrook, with 3.5, especially for a 6.5 assist. That is very very high. He also had a high foul rate. I mean, he's a player that he still needs to learn the discipline when it comes specifically to defending, which is something I believe that he can learn, but it's something he needs to focus on when he gets to the NBA. He averaged a 42.9 field goal percentage on 6.1 from 14 shooting. I mean, he was very, very inefficient as a scorer. He did, and he did that at 27.5 three point attempts. That being a, how can I say this? 0.7 or 2.7 attempts uh, of attempts. And he had a 5.3 attempts from, uh, excuse me, makes from two on 11.3, uh, four, excuse me, two point attempts. The showcase cups, the showcase cup. By the way, this is on NBA, excuse me, no, this is on basketballreference.com. You can verify that. It's one of the first pages that comes out whenever you write a player, especially for the NBA. And let's go with what he said. Okay, for the 2023 uh, G League Cup, I mean, they only showed this regular season this year. But here they show different, different, um, yes, first one, he had 14 points, four rebounds per game, 3.7 assists, 1.6 steals. 0.1 block. This year he averaged 21 points, six assists, 1.7 steal, 4.3 rebounds. Did not block a shot. He averaged 2.5 turnovers last at uh, the, the first time he did it with when he played 11 games, but did not start any game. Yet this year he made 2.28 turnovers and dropped the the fouls from 3.42 to 2.8. And in the regular season, he actually played more minutes than in the showcase cup. Yet he scored more points. He had uh, he had better steals per game. He was a little bit more inefficient when it comes to to scoring, going for four forty eight to uh, excuse me four forty eight point two field goal percentage from two, comparison to fourteen point two, and uh, going for uh, he actually had a higher overall percentage, going from forty two point nine to 48% from the floor, and he made 47% from three-point line. So it seems that even though he's just a small sample size, remember the Showcase Cup, if, if I hear that, the first thing I'm thinking about Showcase and Cup is that might, that might have been the playoffs of the NBA G League. I may be missing. I may be lying. I don't know exactly, but if you go and put up a cup, that means that there's an actual game. Remember, there's six games he played here. There's the exhibition game where he played against Victor Webinyama, which I might be wrong here, but he averaged 14 points. Excuse me, this exhibition was from the 2022 season. But the Chose Case Cup already said how much he did. He actually had a. Uh, the only thing that is really bothersome here 
is that he only attempted 2.8 free throw uh, free throw shots, and he made two of them, two point of 2.8, and here he made 2.5 which is uh the year of 2022, and in the regular season, he actually did 2.2 of 2.9. So he's a player with so much athleticism and strength. In my personal opinion, he should attack the basket more often. I do love the fact that he has a mirroring jump shot. Now the question is, does he use that too much? That he has an, a healthy amount of everything. I love the mirroring jump shot. And by no means do I believe he's an inefficient shot. But you have to learn how to use it. You have to learn how to use the pick and roll, step back, the close, uh, the, the pull up when you're actually on the, on the move. Excuse me. I believe that he has to do a lot of those things. I believe that for him to play the best basketball he can during the regular season this year mostly has to do, and is my personal opinion, is to channel in that Russell Westbrook-esque game and start grabbing more rebounds. He should be a better defender. He can be a better three-point shooter if he has a healthy shot amount. I mean, he didn't shoot that many three-point shots, but it looks like the top player who needs to actually shoot more and shoot more set shots for him to actually score it. I, I do remember that I saw a few games where he actually did a lot of pull-ups from three. And that is something that I believe that should drop. I mean, the best way to shoot a three-point shot, at least in my opinion, is a spot-up three-point shot. That is the best way to shoot it. Pull-up did that to Stephen Curry and to Luka Doncic and James Harden. And even they are not the most efficient players at that. So, let's... Take it away from uh, Scooter Henderson. Why, before I go, why do I believe he will be this season? I think he will be tied for with uh, with with the women Yama and 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 forgot the last name, the first name of this player, Miller, the number two overall pick of, the, of this year's draft. I think it was Andre Miller. I don't. Let's just say his last name is Miller. Um, to become a rookie of the year, I would love to see him put similar numbers. I mean, three, sixteen points per game is perfect. 6.5 or 6 is perfect. I, I would love to see him grab more rebounds, maybe 6, 7 rebounds per game, and 7 assists per game. I would love to see that. At 1.5 still, I would love to see that, but I don't think he's going to do that. He's not that much of an engaged defender, even though he has a 6.9 wingspan, which is a plus 7 wingspan for him in shoes, but he's measured without shoes, which is about 6.1 without shoes. He's 6 foot tall, 6 foot 2 inches tall in shoes, which means that he's six foot one inch tall without shoes, which means his wingspan is an actual plus eight wingspan, not a plus seven. He has a sturdy frame. He's already heavier, 15 pounds heavier than when Russell Westbrook came into the league. So when that boy decides to actually, uh, you know, when he fills out his frame, he will be very close, very, very close to 210, 215 pounds. That's just how sturdy and strong he's built like. So let's, let's, um, I also hope that he has a 47% uh, split in, on two pointers and get a 50% two pointers overall. I hope he attacks the rim and gets two free throw lines at least six times per game. I hope he does that. Like, that's how, how a player as powerful, as athletic as he should play the game. So let's see what he can do and best of luck to Scoot Henderson. Now, let's go with Sheik Holmgren. We all know about what happened to Mr. Holmgren. We all know what happened. Let's go with the injury. I want to see the injury. 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 Injured. So let's see what he was injured with. 
There we go. This is WNBA. Uh, this is from the NBA season. This was last year. Um, from NBA.com news service. And I'm gonna quote this: It states, "Thunder rookie Hesh Holmgren, Holmgren, put uh, in between commas, put to miss, put into uh, to miss entire 2022-2023 season." Let's go to see the injury. Oklahoma City Thunder rookie Shai Holmgren will be out for the 2022-2023. 2023 season after team announced he suffered a lens back injury to his right foot. Thunder and I understand that surgery on the on the injury took place at Fort Sports Medicine and on Torpedics Carmel, Indiana, and was successful. And he has a link here to click, so I'm gonna click it. Okay, a lens, a lens frac injury. Such perfect, thank you. Ah, Lord, why? There we go. Okay, I got back to the... <laughs> Okay, Liz Frack. Search. And I'm gonna click it here. Okay, so a Liz Frack injury. Oh my god, the finger. A Liz Frack injury, also called Liz Frack fracture dislocations, are the most common type of dislocation involving the foot and correspond to the dislocation of the articulation of the tarsus with the method. With the metatarsal basis. Basically, it was an injury in which he dislocated or fractured uh, basically the big toe. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to explain it. The, the let's see the symptoms about this. They call it the midfoot uh, fracture. So overall, he had a frac. Uh, and, and let's just keep going with the with this. By the way, I'm looking at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, you can actually go and see this if you want to go for the limb frac frac lens frac fracture. You want to uh, check what what it is. By the way, it didn't say. It didn't say. He said, I'll leave an injury. He said injury, but he didn't say the fracture. Oh my goodness. Okay, so the, the point is, the point is, uh, That the I'm sorry about the about the delay. I just kind of started reading because they mentioned. But let's go with the with the limb fracture. Let's see if I can edit this later on. Yeah, I just left it out. A limb fracture is a type of broken foot 
like all fractures treatments, you need your recovery will depend on the severity of your original injury. You might need surgery. Most people need to wear a cast or a boot for six to twelve weeks, and it can take a year or more to return to intense exercise like running. You know, so it's a very, very strong injury to have on your foot, especially if you're an athlete. But let's go to see how he played when he returned. Remember, he played in summer league and then got injured. But now, now, now he's fully healthy as, as far as we can see. Let's see what he, he did. And I quote this, um, I quote this, what is, this, what is the word I'm looking for, for the Lord Jesus Christ? Article. Okay, it was written by Derek Parker, was written yesterday at 6, 20, uh, 21 p.m. Inside the Thunder on Fan Nation. After, quote, after missing the entire initial season due to a limp Frank's foot injury sustained in a Pro-Am, former uh, Pro-Am RD, which, by the way, I love, I love the Pro-Ams. They, I think they would be awesome to play them. I, I think they should be televised because they, they can actually... They play better. They actually put on a fight against the NBA players there. <laughs> the uh, former two number four, former number two overall pick Chet Holmgren made his long-awaited return to play in the Thunder's Monday Night Summer League contest. He was slow going for Holmgren early on, who understandably had to shake off the rust of his right first in his first live game action in around a year. He left a very shot short and pick it up early foul in the first few minutes. But it wasn't long before Holmgren got his sea legs back. So how he played? A bucket here, a block there, and by the end of the night, Holmgren had posted 15 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 blocks in Oklahoma City's 10-point win over the Utah Jazz. The former Gonzalo Pulga posted a plus minus, a, 13, a plus 13 plus minus in the contest. Okay, so I really, really... Yeah, he wasn't perfect because he made. Um, he he. He shot six for fourteen. That was not the most. Um, what can how can I say? Um, how can I say this? Um, it's not the most. The best thing for a player, but I remember he's very skinny. He gained 13 pounds of muscle. He's getting bigger a little, a little bit. It doesn't look like much right now because he only gained it from 195 to 208 pounds, 13, 13 pounds. It doesn't look like much because he's so skinny, similar to what will happen in Vito Wobinyama. Gained it 13 to 15 pounds. It wouldn't look like much because it wasn't that big and because he was so skinny. But the way he gained, he actually helps him out. He gained it nine rebounds, grabbing nine rebounds. He was consistent. He blocked shots. I mean, he, he did great. I would love to see him go with average over two blocks per game because in the NBA of today, grabbing, if you block more than three shots per game, you're an outlier. Like, you're the greatest defender of all time if you average three blocks per game. That's how little the defense goes in today's game. Now, I would, I would remember if you see him in Gonzaga, he had a great, Three point shot. He wasn't the most uh the, the most efficient three pointer, but he could make three, he can make three pointers. He has some mid range. He can dribble drive. He can grab and go. 
I mean, we, we, he can do stuff. The problem is that he's so skinny. But the, the idea of Shaq Homegrown is still great. And the fact that he actually came and showed what he can do in the game, in the actual live game, was great. I hope I can see him do that in the NBA. I can't, pre I can't predict, but if I were to say something, I would love to see him go and average around. 14, 13, uh, 13 to 15 points per game, 7 to 8.5 with 7 to 9 rebounds per game with 1.5, 2.7 assists, 0 .5, 6, uh, 3 to 0.7 steals per game, and 1.5 to 2.5 blocks per game. On a 48, 31, 76 split, um, don't go with the advanced stats with me. I don't use them. I don't like to use them. I will do a podcast about rant. Maybe I'll do a video for YouTube about it. About ranting or why I don't like those numbers. Which is completely annoying. Um, but I hope that this podcast. This episode. I really feel like. Work a bit to do this. I hope that you have enjoyed this. I hope you guys have a great day. That God bless you all. God bless you. and your, uh, God bless you. And may Jesus guide you. Have a good night. It's so perfect.